da, 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 da. Welcome, G.I. Joburg listeners, to episode 110 of G.I. Joburg. Hey, hey. <laughs> Tonight we are chatting. Hey, whoa, it's Steven. And. And Kujo on the West Coast, fresh off a toasted bagel and cream cheese. I think I'm in a good mood, guys. Oh, that is fantastic, and it's it's good to hear that you're in a good mood, because I, I hear you, you got a lot to talk about, Long Beach Expo, Comic Con Expo, Comic Expo, Con. Uh, the Comic Expo is definitely, yeah, it, it, we'll definitely chat that up, sure. <laughs> so tonight we are unfortunately Paulus. he is busy drawing like a madman, trying to complete projects, and we all miss him, he is, he is definitely missed, but we'll try and... Uh, and make up for it by being extra verbose. Verbose, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Paul. This is going to be a very short mission. <laughs> but we miss you, Paul. <laughs> we definitely do. We absolutely do. So what we're talking about tonight is it's essentially a convention focus. Kujo is going to run us down his his experiences at Long Beach Comic Expo over the weekend, um, and we're also going to maybe chat up a little bit of Hasbro's presence at the New York Toy Fair, which also happened this weekend in, strangely enough, New York. <laughs> Mainly Hasbro, because, I mean, really, what else is there? And, weirdly enough, non-Hasbro G.I. Joe figures, which you might get excited about or not, depending on, well, your outlook on these. So, what has everyone been up to recently? I checked out Black Panther on Monday. Ooh, son, I checked it out on Tuesday. Mm. Snap. And what uh what We gotta keep it yeah. spoiler free because Curtis is waiting for the cues to die down back stateside. Well apparently this thing has exploded. It's huge. I think it's the biggest opening like Marvel movie ever. Okay. Well I, I this is kind of fortuitous because obviously you guys are on the dark continent. Is that is that a negative connotation? Uh, I think it's so, like, passé at the moment, calling it the Dark Continent. I mean, that's, like, pre-colonial almost, <laughs> to call Africa the Dark My Continent. Uh, so it's like... Those, the enemy. I, don't, I don't know. I don't think anyone attaches offense to it, but then again, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> for, for all intents okay. and purposes, I represent colonialism on this continent. So uh, maybe I shouldn't speak too loudly about anything. My Ooh. goodness, Dark Panther is pulling all sorts of strings. Yeah, you gotta watch your mouth around here, brother. <laughs> I'm wondering, stateside, from stateside, uh, is the is the movie inspiring your populace? Hmm. Well, from from what reviews I've seen from local people, definitely, I think so. It's a it's it's a very inspiring film for Africa in general. Just to think about. You know, a country untouched, essentially, by colonialism was it were able to kind of develop their own technology and go beyond anything that anyone in the world has, which is it's, it's a positive and a negative, I think. You know, these guys, guys kind of like hid themselves away from everyone else while wars raged around them. And they were like, no, we're not going to help them. We're going to we're going to stay here. Yeah, but I think it, it's, it's definitely really cool to be able to see Africa portrayed so positively on, on the biggest big screen especially after that first films like uh, blood diamond where it's just the reality of the situation but sometimes y you want a fantasy i believe that fiction inspires us more than we can ever really quantify so i mean mm. I, I at least stateside i've tried to get into the theater twice i'm a little bit of a format snob so i corner mm. myself but I've, i haven't been able to get to black panther hopefully uh this weekend the format being IMAX 3D. <laughs> so you you go for the whole glasses thing. Oh, man. Well, I can break either way on the 3D, but I do like to, you know, immerse myself in the experience, as only IMAX can do. Hey, guys, looking for a sponsorship. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I'll make it to it. And uh, uh, I've, I've been interested in the Black Panther character, at least cinematically, uh, since the first appearance, because... I did like how he did not go for the revenge. He kind of pulled back. So I hope that that is kind of a continuing theme where he shows restraint. Because I just think that's that's power. Power is restraint. 
it's it's not taking action when 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 it, anyone else would. Though I do think, for my money, that's his character's biggest weakness is that he is so noble and so without flaw. You know, he's a little, ironically, he's a little white bread for my liking. You know, within the Marvel pantheon of characters... <laughs> Jeez, Thor, dude. Look, I know, I know, I am... Uh, this is my only criticism of the way Black Panther is being presented. And that's... There's just... There's nothing overwhelmingly real about him. He tends to kind of smirk his way through everything. The, the fun thing about the Marvel pantheon is that they are all flawed. Not in a Watchmen sense, but... You know, Cap is, is an anachronism. Thor is a running gag because he's just so ridiculous. Hulk, obviously, it's the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, malady. Iron Man is egotistical and narcissistic and hopefully a little bit alcoholic. I mean, they got a little bit of that in Iron Man 3, I think. Or was it 2? Whatever. Uh, the list goes on. Chala, however, or T'Challa, if the T is not silent... Uh, doesn't seem to have any real character flaws. I mean, he's got the burden of leadership. Huh. Uh, he might have a few held daddy issues because his father died rather horrifically in an explosion. But, you know, he, he does seem like he's, he's, he's pretty much okay. <laughs> that said, his, ro his, his uh, supporting cast are phenomenally interesting. I mean, that's where the real intrigue mm. in terms of character... And, yeah, I don't want to give the game away too much, but, like, the hype about the villain, it's 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 pretty legit. It's pretty well-earned. No, I think that's kind of what I'm drawn to in a character, when done correctly, like Boba Fett. He's a vacuum that everybody else kind of reacts around. And maybe that's what I saw in Black Panther. So. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, he dies like a bitch. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> Is it a, yeah. high, a, a, a what the a, a Heinrich scream, a helmet scream, uh, Wilhelm? Uh, Wilhelm, Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm. He he emits yeah. as he is swallowed. <laughs> I, I actually I don't even think they gave him that respect. I think it was his own little scream. But I'll have to check on that. <laughs> it was brought to my attention. Someone actually freeze framed that that moment as he's caught a, sort of is sailing past uh, with his his jetpack ignited. And Luke <laughs> executes a force kick because the <laughs> the the fight choreography is is not being filmed at the correct angle. So you clearly see the air between his kick and the stuntman's, uh, uh, you know, who's selling it on the other side and getting hit. <laughs> it's a gorgeous gif if you can find it. It's I mean the, maybe the true joke is that like it doesn't matter how bad the choreography was the emotional harmonics were so strong that we're still talking about that scene. Yeah. Yeah, years later, we, we, we're still, you know, devastated that he fell into that bloody pit. Oh, oh. Got digested over a million it, it's years like, or whatever. It's like watching your dad get beat up or something. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, now, now I know what it feels like to be dead, everyone. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can appreciate the cool of Boba Fett, but I think to mourn his loss is just inviting him a little bit too close to your heart. He's just a cool costume. Oh, no, he's man. gone. Let him die. Let him die. Let him die. <laughs> Look, everybody has their day, and then everybody slips. That's yeah. life. You guys want to talk Comic Expo? Yeah, for sure. Tell us, um, how was your experience today? Well, what an interesting weekend it was. Like, usually when I'm looking at an event, and, and I cover the Expo every year, and, and the Comic Con, Great relationship with, with all involved. Uh, the people that run it, top-notch, because they bring in such a spectrum of personalities every time. Like, there's something for everybody. That's kind of the reason you should go. But there were some people in order. One of the most – the people that had my attention was Michael Golden. I mean, we did a track about him. Uh, so I definitely was kind of in tune to where his arc was at. Uh, Golden is kind of an enigma. He kind of went on like a 15-year exile from any Comic-Con or Expo, uh, mm. kind of raging against the culture of personality. 
And I've never really heard somebody quantify what that is. So I was definitely interested in talking to him. Unfortunately, about 24 hours out, the expo drops a tweet that says Golden's not going to be there. Wow. So like all this, yeah, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, that's a paradigm shift to the interviews that I had lined up. So the remaining people on that interview list were uh, they were they were great names. Uh, one of them happened to be Aubrey Sitterson, and I'm going to start calling him by his first name maybe because I hear that's more respectable or respectful. But Aubrey was definitely on my radar for obvious reasons. Um, Cheryl Fenn, uh, you might know her from Twin Peaks, among mm. other notable movies. But let's start there. So, you know, every con, every expo, you know you're going to get emotionally drained because most people involved are not extroverts. But it's it's a time that people get the spotlight. And you definitely, like, my intention when I go to an expo is to find people that are enthusiastic and give context to their voice so people can find ends to their content. Um, so I went, and I went with uh, my uh, my other team, Team Diabolical, which is Chuck. He and I do hey, another Chuck. podcast. Yeah, Ch- Chuck, the mastermind of it all. He uh, he and I do another podcast called uh, 30 Minutes of Diabolical. It's, it's not bad. Um, but anyway, we went, and he wanted to talk up Kimmy Robertson – because she was in a movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which uh, we remember fondly. So, Wait a minute. Was, was, she, was she in that? She was. Who did she um, play? I think she was the, the dude's wife. The, the, the neighbors. You know, the obnoxious neighbors? Yes, yes, yes. Um, wow. So she, yeah. So, like, when that movie hit, that was kind of like the dawn of the VHS era. And that was in that movie was kind of a genre breaker. It was a sci-fi, but it was a family flick. It got tons of spin in our house. So it was kind of one of those movies that you can just reach back. And that happened to drop in 1989, which is one of my favorite years. So we were thrilled to talk about that. Uh, so we chatted her up, and that hit. That was unbelievable. Um, I can't wait to drop that. But she kind of went back to the summer of of 89, and she told us about like that rise. The, the kind of unreal thing that Hollywood can can give you. And and, and now that she's at, you know, at the, another part of that uh, career arc, you know, how she sees it. Um, so that was that was kind of unreal. And then we start and then we were able to talk to Cheryl Fenn from Twin Peaks. If you don't know who that is, she's uh, she's been in the Hollywood game for maybe three decades, give or take. Had some real high-profile relationships along the way. Um, she's been in many circles. So knowing that going in, I-, I wanted to prepare myself. And like when you're interviewing people, you always want to hit them with something that lets them know that you know. And the first question I asked her was that question. And so I knew the interview was going to be good. So that went down unbelievable. She dropped something I was like, don't cry. Don't freaking cry. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where that interview went. Um, so anyway, right after that, me and Chuck are like, we're on house money. If we don't get another interview, this whole thing, we're good. So it was the right time to approach Aubrey. Um, I don't, I don't, this is such a weird chat because I think he would agree that uh, how do you approach such a conversation? You know, given given how people kind of take shots at each other online, etc. So I guess the first question is, why would I want to talk to him? And that question was thrown at me uh, online. Uh, I would say this. How long do you want to carry a chip? In, mm-hmm. in 2018, I'm making allies. So that was my intention, Aubrey. Sorry to crowd your style if I did. But anyway, uh, I, I walked up. And uh, me and Chuck, he was chatting somebody, so we kind of gave him some space. But eventually we were like, well, let's chat him up. So we walked up, and I had the rare pleasure of meeting Albert Chung. And right now you're saying, who's Albert Chung? Well, he happens to be the author of a few comics. Uh, I think Astral might be his latest. 
kind of a retro sci-fi romance if you're looking. But what I like about Albert is he's one of those unsung heroes of Twitter. What do I mean by that? Well, we got plenty of those in the Joe Network. But it's a dude that gets it. Like, I think after the Comic Expo, he dropped like five, maybe seven tweets elevating indie indie uh, creators. Like, mm-hmm. that's the dude. And like, as soon as like, uh, Searson was like, uh, or I'm sorry, Arbor was like, uh, oh, I'm just chatting with my friend Alex. And I've, I've seen Alex in the tweets, like I mentioned. And I go, oh, Alex Chung. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're Twitter famous. So we, we joked about that. And dude, huh. from the off, we were all laughing. I mean, like, Aubrey was telling me how many gummy bears are too many. So, like, <laughs> it was good times. But then you kind of have to arrive at that moment because, you know, he hadn't put it together yet. And I said, you know what? I'm Cujo. And, well, let me, let me, let me do a little file card back up. I spent probably the better part of a decade in the nightlife as a bouncer. I, I've seen people break. Um, so I can appreciate composure. I'll say that. But Aubrey saw me and he goes, oh, you're Cujo. No, I don't want to talk to you. And I said, okay, that's fair. And here's another thing. People right now are saying, why are you saying this? Man, I'll let Aubrey say that for you. Aubrey says, control your own narrative. I couldn't agree more. But uh, no, that's, that's, I'm a journalist. I document. And it just happens to be interesting. Wouldn't you agree? But anyway, dude's a professional. And he said, you know what? I'm here to sell books. I get it. I'm here to help you sell books. So anyway, uh, I did kind of like from the hip go, you know what? Why don't we chat up? I said, you know what? Give me a shot at an interview. I said, why don't we chat up some interesting subject matter like 9-11? And of course, this this was the wrong moment to bring this up, obviously. But I was kind of like, you know what? I'm not I'm not the villain, which, of course, I'm not. Anyway, he was gracious, he was composed, and I had, uh, I just happened, because I have his run at my house, as I do most Joe runs, and so, you know, just to tweak him, I brought the Salvo cover, uh, and and I asked him to sign it, which he was gracious enough to do, Uh, thank you for that, Aubrey, but, as I do with everybody who signs my comics, I happen to be a rough graphoanalysis, so uh, let's break down the handwriting for a second. Compartmentalized letters, that, that shows a meticulous mind. I, I know that. Up slant on your letters, that's an emotional person. We knew that. And uh, boxy letters, that shows a quick mind. That, that remains to be seen because I didn't get the interview. But um, <laughs> it's, it was great to cross paths with both you guys. Great handshakes, by the way. Nice job. I will, I, will, I will split hairs about one thing you said. And this was kind of while he was deciding it, how much he wanted to hit me. Because, oh, that's another thing. I told my lady about it in, in post, and she's like, that dude didn't deck you? I said, no, he's a pro. And aren't you really, really tall and a bouncer? Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's Cujo. I, I, I'm, you can't put me in a box. Yeah, I, I wouldn't um, deck you. If you were in a box or otherwise. Well, again, we're professionals. It's not a game, but this isn't, that's his livelihood, and I can appreciate that. His profession is not kung fu. He's not about to take you down, brother. Oh, I'll say this. And I proposed this, but he was like, what are you, nuts? I said, you know what, let's team up. I said, what about a capitalist and a socialist working on the same project? I'm like, that's genre-breaking. That's beyond politics, brother. Um, anyway, let me, let me wrap this up because there's, there's more important matters. I asked him, I said, uh, after all this, what do you make of the G.I. Joe fans? And he goes, oh, they're just like anybody. Well, I, I got to disagree, brother. And here's why. The comic we came up on was written by a genius. Our YouTubers are lawyers, thespians, pillars in the community oh and by the way our podcasts are international oh and our tweet game it's tight but you knew that 
and I, I'll, I'll end on this. Your subtweet game is, is 8.5. I mean, you had my lady laughing, so I'll give you that. But it was a pleasure to meet both you and Albert Chung, who, by the way, Albert Chung, I think if I read tweets right, is headed to Emerald Con. Dude, if you're an indie person, if Albert Chung is near you, that guy's your best friend. Buy that guy a drink. He'll promote you for the next 10 years. Anyway, the next person... Actually, I'm going to take a breath. You guys got any questions on that? So it sounds like, I mean, it, it was very... It wasn't terribly com- confrontational. It sounds like you both kind of came out unscathed. Well, I mean, have you heard of too many instances where people from the Internet meet in real life? Because, I mean, this isn't a huge dust-up, but it's kind of a low-key microcosm of what's going on in our society. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you don't... When you are on the Internet, you, you, I think a lot of people feel like they can say anything because you will never meet the person that you're talking shit about or saying nice stuff about. You can't really say anything. Um, so I can imagine that there was kind of like a like cool. a surreal moment in a way. Kind of like, oh, you're Kuja. You're the guy that kind of chatted me up a little bit there. Well, look, and again, that's why I want to. That's why I want to like tip my cap to the composure. Um, oh, and by the way, dude, if you're putting on a con or an expo, invite Aubrey Citizen. Here's why I'm saying this: the dude reps. Like, look, I interviewed. I probably interviewed a dozen people in, the, in over two days. And by the way, I'm still exhausted, but mm-hmm. half the people don't know how to promote. And that's not a knock. I mean, artists are introverts. I talked to, I'll mention a guy in like five minutes, but Citizen uh, is body language open. And, and you're saying, well, how do you know this? Well, because I freaking look at things. But his body language is wide open. I saw him selling families and like salty vets the same. So, I mean... The guy's good at his craft. I don't have to like him, even though I do. So that's that. Shall we move on? I did have the rare pleasure of chatting up some Tron talent. Are you guys Tron fans, or that doesn't hit with you? Oh, I am absolutely a Tron fan. Um, it's weird that you mentioned Tron, because uh, well, well, not to you know kind of make a big deal of it, but my birthday is actually on the 23rd of February, which is this Friday. And my uncle uh, is visiting from New Zealand, and he found out from my sister that I, well, that I collect a couple of uh, the Funko uh, pop figures, and I had actually kept aside, and he has now bought me the two, well, well, the two Funko pop Tron Tron characters, whose names currently escape me. You're oh an interloper. <laughs> Such an idiot. Okay, so so my uncle bought me um, Tron himself, as well as Sock. Um, okay. So it's they're they're really cool and they glow in the dark. Um, oh, okay. Even my uncle knew who the characters were. He was like, oh yeah, from the, from that movie, they, they 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 glow, don't they? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So even he connected with the film back back when it originally came out. Uh, what about you, Stephen? Does Tron hit with you? I think the visual style stayed with me for a lot longer than the plot did because rewatching it exposed just how clunky it was but I mean you can't you can't knock that black light those graphics uh, they're just they're, yeah they were unlike anything I'd ever seen at the age of five <laughs> so it's quite magical and uh, the light cycles by Tomy great toys gee whiz Oh, those are the best because they they fit. Yep, GI and they are tough as shit. I mean, they are indestructible. I don't know, maybe not, but they certainly survived three Jabba children. So my brother, my sister, myself, um, <laughs> and you know, we used to use them in our sort of more futuristic settings. They could go up walls. They could do phenomenal things, uh, and all at blinding speeds. And we had that great, um, I suppose, it, I mean, it was probably given to your brother originally, but that video game console. Oh, yeah, also by that Tommy. Tron? Yeah. No, that's elevator action. Um, uh, it had some cool little jingle. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like two tone uh, like engine three... sound. <laughs> yeah, man, it was maddeningly loud uh, electronic game, but magical. But it's so oh, much it was fun. Great. Three levels. First level, light cycles. Second level, uh, you were throwing your disc and trying to eliminate the the bridge of your enemy. And then the fourth level, yes, you yes. throw the disc into the MCP, Master Control. P- what is Third it? MCU. NPC. People are NPC. losing us. Dude, you lost <laughs> us all with a fucking con talk. So we can talk about toys and video games, right? Right? Come on. No, look, you got me. You got me. I'm trying to win it back to the toys, man. And here's a little bit of toy news. I don't know if you guys know about it, but yes. Hasbro is taking a leaf out of, uh, I suppose, all the other sort of crowdfunding initiatives book. And they've started their own pre-order system. They're making a gigantic Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi. And they need a certain critical number of pre-orders to be met for them to make this thing go into production. It's costing $500 a pop, but it is, it's massive. It's, uh, let's get the figures. It is... It's over four feet long. Are you saying that it's now possible for the flag to have an opponent? Not quite as long as the flag, but it looks, I mean, almost, uh, almost scale accurate. I mean, insofar as the Millennium Falcon, the Legacy Collection Millennium Falcon is almost scale accurate. I mean, we'll never get an actually scale accurate Millennium Falcon, but for all intents and purposes, you can fit four crew members on the bridge. You can fit them behind the, 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 the hollow chest table. Similarly, you can fit the 3.75 inch action figure Jabba the Hutt quite comfortably into the sail barge and play out pretty much all the internal and external action on it. So it looks really, it really does. good. I just wish it came with um, the, the skimmers, <laughs> you know, that they they kind of enact the, the you know the execution on. I think you'd be yes. able to collect those separately. I think they have made them before. I seem to remember. Me, but that's fantastic yeah. news. Let me do a full circle combo. It's rarely done on a podcast. Speaking of Boba Fett, by the way, tying it to the skiff, and also backing it up to Tron. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's always a movie that like broke broke your brain. Everybody's it's different, but like when I saw Tron Legacy in IMAX 3D, that was the movie that like went, oh, you're you're meant to create things, Cujo. You mm-hmm. know, so. Tron is definitely near and dear to me, and I love the nebulous aspect of what is the grid. That's kind of what sells it for me. But no, I got to let me break off one more because I, I do think this is kind of interesting. Um, and and you know, if you're in Joburg, one through one hundred, we got people in every industry in this place. Like you think I'm joking? Nope. Anyway, let's see. I did get to chat up Eric Kanate. I hope I'm saying that right, brother. Um, but he was a storyboarder on a little cartoon called Tron Uprising. Yeah, you've mentioned it before, I think. Um, unfortunately, I still haven't checked it out. <laughs> Dude, okay. Let's just say this. If you're a nocturnal person and you enjoy elevating your mind, you have to find a way to watch Tron Uprising. It is the most beautiful cartoon that's ever been created. Actually, you know what? I'm just talking now. But, no, it is something special, but... Uh, I got to chat him up, and that cartoon was kind of a victim of how it was presented, much like a lot of the material that kind of falls by the wayside. And we kind of chatted that up, and we both agreed that, like, it made so much sense on a channel like MTV or Adult Swim, and it was stuck on, like, Disney XD. Anyway, it it was such an interesting cartoon. Anyway, if, if I can point at least one person at it, that's why I brought it up. But it was great to catch him because he's been on the schedule for that con for like three years, but never shows up. It was hard to get that guy to talk, but we did it. Uh, that was great. I'll probably link this chat to you, Eric. It was it was a pleasure, brother. Let's chat soon. I know you're local. Anyway, that's all the con talk, Stephen. Thank you, brother. <laughs> An indulgence. Well, we are yeah. 
aiming to have a lot more con talk. Uh, finally, the three South African members of this podcast might make it to their first joke on. That's huge. That is absolutely fantastic. And maybe I don't say it often enough, but a hearty and heartfelt thank you to everyone who has contributed thus far. We are mere dollars away from reaching a $3,000 milestone. And as I've said before on record, that means three airfares. Or at least it did before the rand started strengthening against the dollar. <laughs> but the bottom line is, it's so close we can taste it, and we are so excited. It seemed like with the, the current surge that we've had post-festive uh, season... We've gone overnight from a case of like, can we actually do this? To a case of, we are actually going to do this. So we are confident, we are excited, we are eternally grateful. It's remarkable to see people giving and giving so generously. Uh, I am always floored by it. I don't think the lip service that we give uh, by just responding using the GoFundMe portal to voice a thank you, that's not nearly enough. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'd really like to meet and shake the hand of and and uh, buy a beer, if that's uh, if that's to your liking, for, for each and every one of you guys and mm-hmm. raise a glass and say, thank you, you made this a possibility because it's, uh, yeah, words fail to describe how exciting it is. The prospect of taking that trip with two of your closest mates and doing something that you absolutely love together and something that you never imagined you'd ever do. I've done plenty of travel on my own, but that sucks. And it's never been for something as fun and enjoyable and something that feeds into my, my passion and my hobby like G.I. Jocon. I've never, never done anything that indulgent. And it took something like a GoFundMe to allow me that joy, I guess. <laughs> we can be pretty Spartan with ourselves <laughs> and uh, and sacrifices. But thank you. It kind of makes every ounce of work that we've put into this podcast and YouTube channel and the communities that uh, attach the name G.I. Joburg to them, uh, it makes it all worthwhile. As if to say the friendships that we've made isn't gift enough, this trip is like it's a gigantic cherry on the top of a very very delicious cake <laughs> called G.I. Joburg well, yeah absolutely <laughs> oh, he's doing metaphors watch out <laughs> absolutely I mean I agree with everything Stephen said um, and I'm hoping I mean depending on how much people have given um, and as I think I've said before any amount helps I mean a hundred people gives five dollars that's five hundred dollars that's fantastic but I'm hoping that the people who have given more, you know, because of the different re- reward levels, you know, I hope you enjoy the stuff that we're going to give you. And we're pretty excited to to meet all of you and for all of you to get cool stuff. And, yeah, thank you. We're almost halfway, which I think is fantastic. And, I mean, I'm so confident I actually went and uh, finally got my, my passport renewed yesterday, actually. So I'm pretty excited. Well... I was going to say something that I forgot. Damn it. Oh, what a shame. I guess we'll talk some more. <laughs> Please do, brother. Please do. <laughs> Gentlemen. Well, Stevens mentioned... Please do, Rob. What did I mention? <laughs> well, Stevens already mentioned one vehicle um, that is coming that, that, that was actually um, revealed at the Toy Fair in New York this past weekend. There's actually another one. The, the tank that is used in Rogue One. Ah, on the the, 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 the that they're kind of like like planet that gets that gets blown up spoilers by the Death Star or the city that just gets blown up and it looks pretty dope it looks like a very sleek um, low to the ground vehicle and I mean it's a prototype but well, it looks pretty sweet didn't the uh, retro packaging sell you though Always. yeah the the, the, the yeah it, it seems just Hasbro along with the the horrendously awful um, figures they release with with the limited articulation. It's like th- those are the toys that look like they come from the 70s and the 80s. But their vintage line with the really cool vintage packaging is the toys with the really good articulation. And there's some really cool figures, including this vehicle from Rogue One and Last Jedi, coming out. And they all look 
actually really, really good. Well articulated, cool accessories. There's, there's some cool Star Wars toys on the horizon. I want to get a sail barge just so I can have Boba Fett die like a bitch over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and I'll make it like a gif out of it <laughs> and I'll, I'll send it to you, Cujo. I see it when I shut Just my eyes, need, brother. They need sound effects. <laughs> you are such a meanie. Hey, man, you, I think Boba is a cool character. I certainly had a lot of adventures with my Power of the Force Boba Fett back in the day. And you as Leia in Bosch disguise, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad we avoided any romantic entanglements. No, I don't. And I hey, don't I'm a proud owner of a vintage collection exclusive Slave One. And I fucking love it. It's beautiful. Let me, since we're talking Boba Fett, if you're not aware, uh, since I mentioned uh, 30 Minutes of Diabolical, we have an episode called Boba Fett Illuminati, and it features Steven telling a Boba Fett memory, and I do agree that, uh, they, let him go, let him go. The, the Boba Fett arc is this. Uh, I'm not going to deal with the prequel shit, but mysterious <laughs> character, kicks ass, gets fat, gets called into action, stumbles. It's an, it's, it's, you know, it's an allegory. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's meant to teach you. Don't, don't go to Java's palace, start drinking a bunch of stuff, touching ladies' chins when you should be, you know, out working out. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he got very lazy in his old age. Like once he, once he took out, you know, his, his, uh, his unicorn in Han Solo, you know, he was like, yeah, what else am I going to do? Can you imagine the one-sided conversations between that block of ice and Boba Fett? Oh. They, t- they touch on that in Shadows of the Empire. They touch on it. Such a, What a great... Let's do a Boba Fett movie where it's him taking off from Cloud City, and it's just him doing a like a, a one-sided monologue with the frozen thing of Han Solo. Hour and a half, one-sided monologue. Do it. I want to see that. Keep the helmet on. Yep. No, yeah, don't take it off. We we don't even see that. So you're gonna watch an entire movie where there's not a human face to be seen. Yeah, Wouldn't it's it? not necessary. It's it's sold in the voice, in the in, you know, in his his passion, you know. Dude, Stephen, you know, acting is hand gestures, is it not? I don't know, man. If you get too busy <laughs> with your hands, it's gonna look hammy. I think it's gonna be the most impressive mime movie ever ever pitched. Because yeah. you're you're acting with this kind of kabuki mask, basically. You're like, oh, Han, you thought you were so clever. But no, I knew, I knew you were going to float away with the trash. He, he doesn't you... have, his voice doesn't sound like that. We've stumbled into <laughs> a perfect allegory for Twitter and, and and social media. You're talking to somebody's avatar, and you're saying, recognize me. You know, I'm doing it right. What is it? What is it? You know, it's an hour and a half monologue of Boba Fett. Oh, I don't know. All I can think well, of is well, like two of us want to see kinky it. shit going on. <laughs> Boba <laughs> Fetish. <laughs> too much adult swim for you. Well, well, before we lose everyone, because we haven't talked about G.I. Joe once this entire episode, something else that came out this weekend at Toy Fair was... A company called What Not Toys is doing a line of four and a half inch as well as two and a half inch scale G.I. Joe vinyl figures in kind of the vein of pop vinyls by Funko. A little bit more articulated, still with the gigantic uh, deformed head body things. And weirdly enough, all the the good guys have these this, this weird um, green eyes, which freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> It was unnerving. That had to be like a whip, right? Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand why, why, why they look like that. But what is a Joe line without vehicles? And this line has vehicles that can fit these these huge, hugely headed figures. There's a Fang. There's a... Vamp. Or, or Striker? Vamp. vamp. <laughs> there's a Vamp. And a His Tank. You guys have any uh, positive thoughts about this? <laughs> Steven? Wow, passing the buck. 
Look, to be honest, uh, there are way too many incredible vintage G.I. Joe toys that have so much more resonance for me than something produced as, like, a vintage no, tribute. No, I, I think that goes without saying. So, I, I, would of, never, of I would never divert the hard-earned dough in the direction of this stuff. Uh, yeah, I, even, I don't even think my, my opinions would be swayed if I saw them in the flesh. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dedicated with my displays. Uh, there's some Transformers stuff. You don't want a cute Zartan. You don't want a cute little Zartan with his his little gun. Maybe if, look, maybe if someone <laughs> if someone gifted it to me and and it meant something, you know, it reminded me of of, of something cool that we did together. But uh, just mm-hmm. buying these on my own dime because I like them. Yeah, there, there's some non sequiturs in, in that in that sentence. I don't think I like them enough to to buy them ahead of I don't know saving up for a mauler and tracking down the, the, the various parts you need to complete one, or geez I don't know a general with a locust on top, or uh, a version 1.5 snake eyes there are so many grail items or important historical items in the vintage gi joe toy line that i do not possess yet i don't have an original rattler and it's going to become problematic in my (laughs) current youtube series episode two dropping very shortly if you're listening to this it might even be available now atlantis factor part two featuring the moray Yes, we we definitely did do it. Um, I think Stephen and I, our skins bear the the witness to our hours of labor in producing this video. How's your sunburn doing, Rob? Oh my God, my my legs are so red, <laughs> and my arms. I think I even have a have a, have a heat blister actually oh, on my geez. knee. Like we were out oh, wow. there, I think for like four hours. Yeah, foolishly. I mean, what was I thinking? We were so exposed and the, the, the clouds moved away and we just sizzled. Well, that's the thing. We, we When we'd gone there before, there, there was cloud cover and we've never actually been out there that long before. Yeah, um, God bless the battery life of a GoPro. <laughs> yeah, a GoPro and mm. an iPhone. <laughs> well, not my crappy iPhone, which dies after an hour of use. Yeah, no, no. My mine is definitely much better. Thank, th- thank you to MTN for having a, a fairly cheap contract for me to be able to have this phone. And shout out to Kim. Now you have uh, anniversary gift ideas for Stephen for the next couple of years. They're called What Not Toys GI Joe figures. Oh, so this is this. Stephen Incidentally, <laughs> my dearly beloved has recently gotten some new prescription glasses, and they are Baroness frames. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Asian Baroness cosplay in my future. (laughs) (laughs) Is she going to make it to Jokon? Oh, bro. Leave is uh, scarcity for her, unfortunately. I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. She might put in for it, but yeah, it's anybody's guess whether uh, she'll be able to make it or not. That, that would be cool. That'd be cool. No, that would be amazing, you know, kind of sharing this experience with her. She actually watched the Toys That Made Us G.I. Joe episode, and all of a sudden now she's interested in my hobby. So thank you for that, Netflix. That's fantastic. Now she wants to see the USS flag in action. She's like, wow, they really built it up. They hyped that toy. They were like, and the greatest toy ever made is none other than the USS flag. Okay, I don't know how they did it, but it was something along those lines. Dude, I, I would say that the same, maybe the same thing that brought her in is the thing that brought my lady in was just, if you listen to Hama talk, if it's a good interview and you hear him talk for like over a couple of minutes, you're like, holy shit, this guy wrote something. I want to read it. Yeah. The you, dude's you, just smart. Get it. He's just friggin' smart. You know, we, we keep mentioning the series. I think very soon we're going to have to do an episode discussing at least the G.I. Joe episode. Why hey? not? Episode 111, 112, 13 sure. maybe. There's been a request that we do Transformers the movie. What say you gents about that? I'll probably take a, we... a flyer on that one. Get somebody, <laughs> get somebody in my seat that matters. 
Yeah, I mean, as soon as uh, I mean, as recently as the previous episode, I think Kuja mentioned that uh, robots are not his mm. thing. Same with uh, with Merc. I don't want to put our listenership into an uproar, so I'm gonna take that suggestion and file it for now. Dave Cabal, thank you. That movie is one of my all-time faves, as I might have mentioned on the social media networks. I, for a good chunk of my my early days, was renting. Just sort of alternating Return of the Jedi, G.I. Joe the movie, and Transformers the movie. Every time my parents let me go into the video rentals, I came out with one of those. I was not interested in anything else. It sounds like you ruined those videos for anyone else. And for yourself, eventually. No. There's something macabrely engrossing about all three. Jedi starts out in no, that I, dank I Jabba's palace. video cassettes. Well... Dude, videos are going to wear out regardless who who's renting them. But I'm glad it was me. Oh, Challenge of the GoBots was also uh, mixed in there for a time. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, yes, I remember there. GoBots. You, were, you, you mentioned them and I was like, GoBots? I don't know what the hell those are. Yep. But I think Transformers the movie, is it's a cool idea. We should definitely do it. I mean, a commentary? I mean, we did for G.I. Joe the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, like I say, I don't know if it would fly here on G.I. Joeberg. Uh, what say you, listeners? If anyone really, really strongly objects, then uh, let it be heard. Are you talking about the Michael Bay movies? No. No, no, no. The original animated film. Oh, the, the cartoon. The one that all gave us... Right. Yeah, the one that all gave us the touch. You got well, the if, touch! If, if it's animation, you know I'm in. <laughs> you got the power! It's fantastic. I mean... <laughs> well, before we get too far away from... <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that. Sorry, Steve, I don't have the touch. Continue that solo. Damn it. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I think Toy Hype covered the toy... The, the toy... Toy-Con? Whatever. Toy, but toy fan. To, New York toy toy fan. Hype USA. I, I think that they dropped some pictures, if you're looking. Yeah, that fang has got way yeah. too many missiles and rocket pods. It's very, very busy. Oopsie talking about toys that weren't revealed at New York Toy Fair this past weekend, or actually, I believe yesterday, even the 20th of February. Yeah, by the way, we're recording this on the 21st. They revealed another G.I. Joe convention figure, and it is the Python Patrol Major Blood. What do we what do we think about this, guys? I like it. Case closed. <laughs> Gripping. Yeah. It's an improvement on the O-Ringer, which was just supersonic fighter zap. Yeah, I like this blood. Well, it seems like... Uh, I, I think it was JoeFan82 in the tweets who mentioned that they had not actually dropped a major blood figure for a dozen years or some kind of absurd stretch. Mm. So I think that this is kind of the collector's club going, you know, this is kind of a, 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 you know, a send-off, I suppose. It's a good one. I know uh, Joe Battlelines, who, who drops uh, who drops kind of blogs on every reveal. He said that the arm didn't uh, work for him. I, I, I really don't know w- what he's referring to, but you can check his blog and find out. I, I don't mind the Python aesthetic, but at the same time, it feels kind of close to Destro. What, what do you guys think about this subset? Before I speak about the subset in general, I'm going to home in on this blood and say absolutely right. Major Blood has not had a very great showing in the modern era. I never liked his initial presentations. Uh, There was always something slightly off. The initial one, the ones that came in that kind of desert seven pack, I think it was, like, mm, Mm. almost almost just to to troll us, because, let's face it, the, the first Blood is a little bit dumpy as well. He's got a flat, squashed head. He's got the non-functioning, you know, unarticulated Star Wars arm for the rocket launcher or the rocket pistol. So it was like, let's create a subpar update to the subpar original. You know? You know? I'm sure they didn't actually think that, that way, but it was a fugly figure and I never sought it out as a result. This blood... Man, if I was still into modern era stuff, I'd I'd be climbing all over that figure. He's got good proportions, good. It looks like he's got a solid heft to him. Some body armor. I like what they've done with the 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 uh, uh, ordnance that he's carrying. 
and I'm not necessarily referring specifically to the removable rockets on his backpack. I'm talking about those cool uh, grenades on his chest. Certainly better than the shells that his original O-ring figure had. Uh, they make a lot more sense. Whatever they are, they're explosives, they're something. They're, they look good, even though they're non-removable. That's, that's fine. Good figure. Uh, just always amuses me that that weird sonic weapon or whatever he's carrying, that gold thing... They've lost the, 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 the end cap for it. There's a ring that should attach. It's a two-piece weapon, which initially came with Zap, Sonic Fighters version. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe they decided to take it off because it looks more menacing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I don't know. Uh, that gun, that gun <laughs> always was quite quizzical for me so I wasn't particularly perturbed when I lost mine because I did on purpose probably <laughs> bye bye it's the one thing you didn't bother to go back in the garden and look for you go back to your room and you're like oh it's gone thank goodness Zap's other weapon I can understand even though it is also weirdly it's, it's, it's curious as to how he's meant to hold it I'm talking about that sort of double over under uh, rocket launcher which Fortunately, doesn't actually fire yes. anything. It's just a straight-up molded artillery piece. Mm. Thank goodness. I mean, it, looking at the picture, it doesn't look like they really knew how to make him hold it either. <laughs> <laughs> True. But I think as well, this is a really cool-looking figure. This black and red aesthetic is really sweet. It makes him look really interesting. I suppose, yeah, black and red is very much a Destro color, um, yeah, especially from the original. Cobra had it first, though. I mean, the... the well, Did they? maybe not on the same figure, but black and red is totally the playground of of Cobra personnel and vehicles and equipment. So for Python, yeah, Patrol, but I mean they're like more blue and red. I mean, if you think of the the Vipers, aren't they blue and red? Yeah, but Python Patrol's shtick is that they're radar defeating. So this mm. this cross hatching, this design, this this technology sewn into the the very fabric of their outfits. You know, it's supposed to... Or zapped into them, <laughs> like in the cartoon. Yeah, jeez. Well, thank you, Operation Dragonfire. But, you know, it, it makes a lot more sense for them to be decked out in, in, in darker colors as opposed to the uh, yellow panties of Copperhead. <laughs> but I think what, what really does push it over the Son edge into... IG territory, <laughs> and this is I'm, I'm picking up on on your your waves here, Kujo, is the implementation of gold. Uh, gold is where the IG thing really, really it gets hammered home. Black and red, Cobra enough. You add gold to the mix, yeah, that's Iron Grenadier territory. So bang on the money, Mister Artiste. Well, I try. No, I. What do you? I mean, what do you guys think? Like. Uh, when you mentioned Copperhead's panties, like, that to me is what may be lost about this subset is kind of the bizarre color scheme. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's better to go in an aesthetic that feels more tactical. Did you see Spirits? Mm. I think that's the best Spirits ever produced. All right, let's go there. The Marauders. Okay, if they don't announce Slaughter as a uh, convention guest, then what was that term you used last episode? Piss Blood take? In the streets. If they have Marauders... <laughs> Yeah, if they yeah, we'll be marauding the streets basically. No, but I really hope to see Sergeant Slaughter there. And if if they start saying like yellow tape, that dude reps everybody on Twitter. He retweets everything. Like he's one of those guys. Another guy that gets it. But uh, what do you think about the uh, Marauders being the last convention send off? I think I mean they've obviously kind of mined these subgroups quite well. I mean, you know, the the Python Patrol actually looks serious. They look pretty freaking awesome. I think they they've done a good job there. They're kind of like the Cobra's answer to the Night Patrol. What are they called? <laughs> the Night Force. It's Cobra's answer to the Night Force. And seeing these guys together, referring to the Marauders, the blue actually doesn't look as bad as I always thought it did. Or maybe it's just the modern figure sculpting that makes it look not so eh, like out of place 
I think overall these figures are pretty amazing. And um, yeah, Spirit is the is the best of the lot, for sure. Nice. Maybe maybe um, Mutt and Junkyard is a close second. Although, is the dog is is it a reuse of another figure? Let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know if it is. Moving along. Moving along. Yeah. <laughs> what is? What do you think of these guys, Kuja? Um, I mean, uh, I I I like I like the chances that uh the collectors club takes. But honestly, I'm kind of spun out, guys. You know, I I I kind of just I was like a comment. I burned bright at the beginning. Now I'm just kind of <laughs> flapping in the wind. <laughs> but I think it's cool that they have these two unifying themes for the last or for this uh, is this the last convention exclusives I mean with no conventions on the horizon are they producing more figures no I don't believe so you believe they're not producing more no I don't I don't, I don't think they're making any more I think I think okay. yeah, Joe is kind of entering uh, an exile oh, of sorts phase. yeah uh, yeah well I think it's cool because it unifies it's, it's two groups you get a group of Joes you get a group of Cobras and it kind of links it all together. It makes it, in a way, easier to kind of like get them all because you kind of would want to have you know the whole Slaughter's Marauders and the whole Python Patrol. I think it's a good choice. It makes it easier as well for them to to hopefully produce them. Yeah, Robert, you're spinning gold right now, brother. <laughs> and the second we get to Jocon, someone's just gonna throw their extra set at us. They'll be like. Oh, dig you guys, man. Have have this. Ooh, review it. <laughs> Praise me. <laughs> what? I think the model the model to do it now and it, go, go and cut this out because right now I'm just like, oh, this is how you do shit. Um, <laughs> but no, I I think the model would be to send like look at social media whether it's Instagram or Twitter and find out who the Joe photographers are. <laughs> Fucking plastic battles. <laughs> Um, oh, but, uh, oh yeah. Send that guy a free set. Send that guy a demo set. Uh, what do they call them? A spec. Send that guy. Hit other people on social media. They're doing the same. If those guys started posting action shots of those figures, do you think those things would move? Probably. These toy photographers get exceptionally um, creative, actually, in, in how they produce stuff. I mean, I follow enough accounts on, on Instagram to know, like, the breadth and variety of stuff that they're able to produce. It's really quite incredible. These guys are producing really cool stuff. Well, it just brings intrigue to your product. I mean, it, what more? that's what you want. Yeah, and it, it, it's cool because, I mean, this is what's inspired them to create cool photography is uh-huh. these, these really cool figures that they – and often it is figures that they collected when, they're, when they were kids. And it's cool to see that connection, you know, between – what they're choosing to photograph, essentially, I suppose, in their, their free time in between, like, doing proper photo shoots and whatever else. Do we have any unresolved business, gentlemen? Uh, I feel like we have had a good chat tonight. We've talked Long Beach Comic Expo. We've talked a, a few things from Toy Fair. And we've touched on the convention-exclusive figures, including the newest, Major Blood. I want to know something. Oh, Stephen wants to know something, everyone. Let's hear what he has to say. Ask. <laughs> what vehicles, if any, in the classic G.I. Joe, a real American hero line, really float? <laughs> yeah, th- and that's not uh, coming out of nowhere, by the way, listeners. Um, that's a very relevant question. <laughs> because we discovered over the weekend that most of them don't. Or at least they float for a little bit and then stop floating very, very soon. Yeah, man. I'm going to chalk up the manta ray as my pick. Well, that's because it's an inflatable with no gaps. But all the classic constructed, you know, clip the top and bottom halves together style vehicles and boats they don't float for shit man the moray is hopeless leave it alone for five seconds and it's at the bottom of the ocean and the mines i mean the the depth charges 
ironically, are floating to the top. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> They're the first things that pop out and sort of float upwards. Um, yeah, so the, the moray sucks. The moccasin sucks. The killer whale, hello, you'd think it was good. It sucks too. Uh, and this runs contrary to my fellow YouTube review brethren whose ideas of testing the floatworthiness of these vessels is to place them in a very still bit of water uh, inside a clear plastic bucket <laughs> and you know place them very gingerly down into that water and say, does it float? Yes, it does. I put it to you, sirs. You need to try and put them through some, some, some maneuvers. Yeah, if you're putting them in an inch of water, I mean, or, or whatever, it's it's, it's not going to go very far. But I thought, I mean, of the ones that we did have, that we did use, um, the whales seemed to fare the best. I'd say the, the night landing was pretty unsinkable, for the most part. Mm. Mm. Um, though that, that didn't see as much action as the, the moray, for sure. And there is a gap in the, the, the night landing's construction. And once you start getting water into that gap and start sloshing around there, yeah, no, okay. Maybe the light, night landing isn't yeah, such a great it's, example. it's inevitable. Paul, in absentia, nominates the warthog. And I must say, Rob, I clearly recall being at your great aunt's place and tossing the warthog into mm-hmm. her pool and just forgetting about it for a while, kind of letting it to mm-hmm. the deep end I was too scared to swim out to the deep end back then um, and and pff, no problem man that thing was in the water for half an hour 45 minutes well I suppose I mean it has to float I mean it, it, it's a, it's a you know it's a land and sea vehicle or at least you know aquatic vehicle you got to be able to get that out of there really mm. quickly but it floats it, it rides so high in the water that uh, the, the, the it, it, you know the water is unlikely to get into the seam and also, it being a tank, it's not going to move very quickly. So, you know, the moray, sadly, you want to power it through the water like crazy. You want to be able to move it. But moving it will dip the, the stern into the water. And once that starts sitting too low, it just starts taking on water. Hopeless. That's why you have to go hydrofall mode and actually, you know, float it across the top of the water. <sighs> Checkmate. <laughs> I must say the APC also rides quite nicely out of the water. It's got a kind of a, a solidly built plastic hull, which is something very rare on boats, <laughs> ironically, in the G.I. Joe line. But unfortunately with the APC, you then run the risk of rusting up your axles because, yes, they are metal and they are not stainless steel. Boo-hoo-hoo. Well, hopefully other people will, will, you know, kind of tell us their experiences with waterlogging their toys. Trackers raft. There you go. Unsinkable. Yeah, that's a proper, yeah, I mean, you, you inflate it with your, with your breath. Mm. Yeah, the, the, that's not going down. You heard on Joe Derbrick first, guys, Trackers raft is the only unsinkable toy in the whole of Joe toy. <laughs> And that's it. I'm done. Good night. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let me end on this. If you're still if you're still hanging with us, everybody I mention, utmost respect, professionalism, all that. You know, I, I get it. Um, that's all. Well, yeah. Thanks, everyone, and thanks, Guja, for sharing your experiences on Long Beach. And if if, I, if I'm correct, traditionally you will release it as a 30 minutes of diabolical super mix. Well, I think uh, I think we're going to try something different this year. If you're out in the podcast game, you know there's a couple couple things you you're you're always you always got in the back of your brain is well good content, but also pinging you know your uh, your timeline every once in a while so people remember you're alive. I think we're going to do two. We're going to do it the same timeline, but we're going to do two uh, interview conversations called diabolical subplots. And then we'll have a studio show. And, and, and what we did basically, how we did this one differently is uh, we went in asking questions that were themed to our, our schedule that's already laid out. So I think like I think in our first show this year, we're talking back to the future. And Cheryl Finn had worked with Robert Zemeckis on a Tales from the Crypt episode. 
So I definitely picked her brain about his directing style. As you know, he directed Back to the Future, which is one of the most coded movies ever created. So, yeah, that's how we're doing it. That's fantastic. I'm actually pretty excited for this year um, for City Mr. Diabolical. Thanks, brother. Excellent. Where was I going with that? <laughs> good night, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us, and I hope you have a good a good week. Stay warm, stay hydrated, and don't spend too much time in the sun, unless you're making a cool video. Cheers, guys. <laughs> don't get frostbites for all of those of you uh, weathering this insanely, insanely snowy weather. We wanted to do a winterized vehicle special, but... Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch out here in sunny South Africa to be picturing the kind of cold that you guys are currently living through. Stay warm, guys. Well, eventually, I mean, if winter comes, well, when winter comes around, um, we do have one or two options. There's, I believe, series. It gets, gets a fair amount of snowfall. We might be able to make that work if we pile a lot of it into a corner. It's just the wrong time <laughs> of year, man. I don't. Oh, we're gonna be podcasting well, an episode about winterized vehicles while while everyone's sweating their asses off. Hey, the north south hemisphere split. Absolutely, it makes people I, nostalgic. <laughs> people, I have you an know, interesting it, it idea. Of, yeah. Well, why don't we get the the yoga guy Michael Mercy at the front end of a winter episode since he does the uh, the winter YouTubes, and then at the back end we'll get Merck. <laughs> As a man who lives in the winter, we could do a, a a winter thing thing. Two birds, brother. I don't know what I'm saying. You Wonderful. <laughs> but this has been episode 110 of GI Joburg. Peace. Out. Oh.